Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Biden bungalows. Oh, I like it. Like instead of the, uh, instead of Hooverville, I was calling it Bidenville. You know, if they're going to set up, if they're going to set up migrant refugee, can we say refugee? Because remember, after Katrina, we were not allowed to say refugee because that was, that was like racist or something. So we called the Katrina people who were, you know, moved out of New Orleans and sent to Houston and some came to Charlotte. And I remember I was, we'd go down to the old Coliseum, not that Coliseum, the other old Coliseum, like the second old, whatever, it doesn't matter. So I would go down uh, and, you know, we were not allowed in to talk to any of the people, but uh, Harry Jones would come out and give updates and stuff about how they were, you know, taking care of the evacuees is what we call them. So I guess migrant is the, is the term to use. And that's the only term until the left tells us that that's a racist term again. And then we can't use that. And they'll tell us what to call them after that. I don't know. But um, they're going to set up in Central Park. They're going to have like a, like migrant shanty towns or something or maybe tent city or something. It'll be like an Occupy Wall Street kind of thing, except, you know, from like a hundred something different countries. That's That's where all these folks are coming from all over the world. It's almost as if they know that if they can get to Mexico, then the systems are in place for them to be able to cross the border easily enough. And then once they get here, it's, you know, Ali Ali Oxen home free. And then you're there or whatever it is. Ali Ali Oxen free. I, I, I don't, I don't remember. I actually said this one time on the air years ago and it turned into a whole debate about what, what is actually the words? What are the words? What do they mean? Where does it come from? And all that. I, and I apologize. I don't remember the history of it. I don't remember what it was. Right. Joan, welcome to the program. Hello, Joan. How are you? Yes, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I am so fed up. <laughs> uh, see, Americans like myself, we don't have a voice. Nobody can hear us. And then you have all these people on TV and... Anyway, this is so wrong. What uh, what is so what they're doing at the border? Oh well, everything they've done. Mm. You know, everybody's trying to annihilate Donald Trump. I mean, that's what they live for. <laughs> but you know, I don't think he did anything to our country to try to to harm it. I think he tried to help us. But what we have in the White House in Washington now. Everything they've done has harmed us. Yeah. I mean, I, I, no, I, I think that's something that uh, with Donald Trump, I think he was sort of, uh, I think he is sort of an old school, you know, patriotic guy. Um, right. And and I think that there's this, uh, there's, there's grown uh, a sentiment in American society. And I think it started Probably around Gen X, maybe younger. It actually may have started with a lot of the uh, the '60s, the Boomer generation back in the you know the the protest movements and stuff. Uh, you know, anti-American and what it, and, and it became not cool to love America. It became 
right? Or yeah, it became cool not to love America, right? It, 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 if you were a patriot and you thought America was a great country and, and, you know, all about freedom and these, you know, the American dream and these values, and if you believed in that, then you were kind of a square. And then over time, it's like you're not cool if you think America is cool. And I, I feel like that sentiment is just it's just everywhere now, and um, which is why I was glad to hear earlier when Tony called and we were talking, and he said, you know, he said he loves America, and that's good. And like that's, I want to hear more people say that. And I think, and I never doubted that with Donald Trump. I never did. I never doubted that Donald Trump loves America. Um, and, and he kept his promises. We never had a president. Never. I mean, I'm a whole lot older than you, and we never had, you know, a president that kept promises. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I sign on to that hagiography for Trump, but um, because I think that there are a whole bunch of promises that people have made over the course of, you know, 200 years or so that we could probably track some of those down and find out that presidents did actually fulfill some promises. But no, I mean, that's yeah, it's part of the problem, though. I mean, he, he he promised to build the wall. He never finished it, but he built some of it. I don't know. Is that promise fulfilled or not? I don't know. I appreciate the call, Joan. Um the situation at the border is a problem of the Biden administration's own making. Right? They did this. They built that, you might say. Right? They built this. Because everything that Donald Trump did was bad. Because, obviously, orange man, bad, racist. So and anything that he did had to be undone. And the things that he did, as far as border control goes, worked. To a large degree, they worked. They weren't perfect. No system is going to be perfect. See, that's one of the things. I don't um, I don't believe in utopia. As an old colleague of mine used to uh, say all the time, utopia is not an option. Right? That is, and it's true. It is absolutely true. There is no perfect society, right? There is no perfect government. There are no perfect people. Right? We are all fallen. We are all corruptible and corrupted. And so uh, once you realize that, and by the way, this is one of the things like a Christian nation, um, when the at, at its founding, you know, sort of the, the it's why you take the oath of offices and why you swear on the Bible and all that, because the founders even knew, like, we're not going to be able to catch you. If you're corrupt and you're in charge, you're going to be doing stuff. We're not going to be able to catch you for everything. You're going to get away with some stuff, but hopefully, you know, you go to hell. <laughs> you know, like, that's... Eh. Your your punishment will be in the afterlife, and and for a lot of people they cannot they cannot accept that. I'm not saying that that this is an excuse for people to you know pillage the public coffers. I am saying though that you cannot compare what we have now to some utopian vision of the way things could be, but never would be because utopia is not one of the available options. The Trump administration had issued a policy back in 2019, but it got blocked. Right? This was an effort that um, to, to cut the amount of time that asylum seekers have to get lawyers. When they first come in, they do their first interview, uh, known as the credible fear interview, where they sit down and they tell Homeland Security officials, they're like, I can't go back to my home country. I I have a credible fear. And by the way, people are coached, right? People are coached on how to pass those interviews. So what they're saying now is like, okay, 
if you don't pass that first screening with that credible fear interview, you got to you got to get a lawyer within 24 hours. And if you don't get the lawyer within 24 hours, then you're going to go home. They're going to send you home. And what the administration is saying is like, we're doing this in order to deport people. See, look at us. We're tough on them. Right. And that might actually be believable. If you didn't know what else the administration was doing, for example, a federal judge yesterday, last night, actually blocked the Biden administration from implementing a policy that allows for the release of migrants without court dates. The Biden administration wanted to release people without court dates. Judge T. Kent Wetherill II imposed a two-week restraining order on the Biden administration policy, which would see migrants released on, quote, parole with conditions. Under a parole release, migrants are rapidly released into the country. They do not get an alien registration number. They do not receive a court date. The use of parole is being authorized if a sector capacity goes above 125%. If agents apprehend 7,000 a day over 72 hours. So you got to have three days of over 7,000 a day average. Or if the average time that people are in custody goes above 60 hours, right? So that's when you would kick in this parole release. Agents, though, so are we hitting the 7,000 a day? Yeah, we're at like 10,000 a day since Monday. There are no signs of it slowing down. So they're going to use this parole release program. But the judge slapped him down, said no. Why? How did this, how did this come to be? Well... When you want some policies enacted, you ask Florida. Florida's Attorney General Ashley Moody sued after media reports emerged of the planned releases, arguing the policy was basically identical to some different policy or different, differently named policy called parole plus ATD. And that got blocked back in March by this very same judge. And so Florida go, finds out about this, and they go back to the judge, and they're like, Judge, this is the exact same thing, just with a different name. And the judge is like, I agree, that too is blocked. Attorney General Moody said the Biden administration did absolutely nothing to prepare for this crisis. And then yesterday, it issues the parole with conditions, mass release policy, which is virtually identical to the policy a federal judge already invalidated. These actions demonstrate a striking combination of incompetence and bad faith. I am pleased that a federal court understood the situation and acted appropriately. DHS had warned that blocking the use of parole has the potential to cause chaos at the border. Too late for that. Yeah, too late for that. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? These credible fear interviews 
in these interviews, migrants have to convince an asylum officer that there is a significant possibility that they could establish that they've got a well-founded fear of persecution in their home country, and then they would get to stay in the U.S. and pursue the asylum cases in immigration court. Migrants who cannot clear that bar are usually deported. Quote, for asylum seekers, credible fear interviews are often matters of life and death, cutting in half the time that people have to prepare for what might be the most important interview of their life raises the risk of errors even higher. That is according to Aaron Reichlin Melnick, policy director at the American Immigration Council. Quote, the Biden administration should stop trying to sacrifice due process and a fair shot at protection for expediency. The administration has said it's prepared for the end of Title 42 policy and has sent troops down to the border, right? Institute a policy that limits asylum for those who cross without permission. They want to surge asylum officers and judges to help process people and rapidly deport those who do not have a right to stay in the U.S. By the way, have you noticed, like, all of a sudden the entire planet is an unsafe place for everybody? What, ha- what happened that all of a sudden everybody's an asylum seeker? Did I miss, like, a world war or something that broke out? I- the U.S., has also solidified a deal with Mexico to allow Department of Homeland Security officials to turn back nationals from Cuba, Venezuela, sorry, Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Haiti. Uh, Haiti. Yep. All right. So and to turn them back to Mexico. So they, they hammered out this deal with Mexico and they're like, okay, you got some asylum seekers. They made their way all the way through your country somehow. And they get all the way through, and they're like, asylum, and they're like, okay, let's uh, hear your credible threat. And they're like, I, uh, I, I don't like my uh, government. And like, okay, that's not a credible threat, uh, so we're going to send you back. And so they have, they have a deal now with Mexico that they can send them back, but only if they're from Cuba, Venezuela, Haiti, or Nicaragua. And um, the DHS secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, uh, he says, the border is not open. He says the uh, sorry uh, that okay. He says it has not been open and it will not be open subsequent to May 11. And the smugglers who exploit vulnerable migrants are spreading misinformation. <gasps> no, really? Wait, a, hang on a second. You want me to believe that human smugglers might lie to people? Say it ain't so, Mayorkas. While the administration has pursued deterrence-focused policies from the, it has all okay. It has also opened up more slots for asylum seekers to seek entry at ports of entry and will create processing centers to help migrants determine whether they have a legal path to the US, right? See, so this is the this is the game. They're 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 setting up these quote deterrence-focused policies. But if you are seeking asylum, wink, wink, head on over here, going through that door and, you know, talk to the talk to some people. Well, but don't you see then if you if the asylum officer doesn't believe you, then, you know, we're going to send you right back. Hmm. Okay. Except, of course, if we have so many people 
that the facilities are overwhelmed, and then we're just going to start releasing people, right, on the, the parole deal. Right, So they have all of these different policies that allow them to do whatever they actually want to do, which is to have as many people come through as possible. Um, the Biden administration will allow migrants from Honduras, Colombia, El Salvador, and Guatemala to apply to enter the U.S. if they qualify for a family reunification program. So if you can get one family member in, then everybody else can come too, because that's the reunification. This is the chain migration issue, right? Since Ted Kennedy did the reforms, quote unquote. Um, the Department of Homeland Security will continue to allow immigrants from Cuba, Nicaragua, Haiti, and Venezuela who have verified sponsors in the U.S. to apply to enter the country legally, right? Which now that's as it should be, right? If you have sponsors, like that's the the way it it was, and you show up. On Ellis Island, you come in through the ports of entry, right? And you make your case and you're not sick. Uh, you're not like a communist or a criminal or something. Then um, you had, yeah, you, you had sponsors. And you couldn't get any welfare. You couldn't get anything from the government. You couldn't be a, a ward of the state. Um, the administration claims that they are working on deterrence and telling people don't come. But the policies that they are actually using and that they've been sued for, in order to prevent them from implementing, right, the policies say something different. Oh, ICE just released hundreds of criminals because they had to clear space for the border search. See what I mean? All of this is actually causing the Democrats, dare I say it, to be in disarray. Bob says, uh, Dear Pete, how are immigration councils... Oh, wait a minute, this gets cut off. Uh, how are immigration councils different from illegal immigration councils? Some inquiring minds begging to know, Mayorkas is either a liar or an idiot or both. Too harsh? Well, I mean, you don't want to limit your options. And you know me, I I really reject the false binaries, you know, the false dichotomies, the it's either this or that. So it could be other things, corrupt, right? I mean, you could throw that in there too. It's done, there are lots of options. Um, today's anti-American sentiment is rooted in our military industrial complexes, Vietnam failure, and unfortunately is exacerbated by Iraq, Afghanistan, and soon the Ukrainian debuckles. Uh, they are self-inflicted damage to the American people's pursuit of happiness, benefiting only warmongers in the perpetual administrative state. Tucker Carlson is right. Trump is right. Pete is right. No, the TTP. Yeah, Tucker, Trump, and Pete. We are the new TTP. Isn't that what it was? The trade? Yeah. Was that the trade deal? Okay. Um. So the Washington Times story by Stephen Dynan, Immigration and Customs Enforcement has been releasing illegal immigrants, including those with criminal records, releasing them from custody in order to clear space for the looming surge of more migrants at the border in the latest sign of the government's scramble to prepare for the onslaught. But do not call the border open and do not call this a collapse. ICE cut its detention population down to 23,000 at the start of the month 
which was at, uh, six weeks earlier, it was at 28,000, right? So they, right, so they had, they released like 5,000 people in a couple of weeks. And that included hundreds of people with criminal records that they knew of. The acting director of ICE, Tay Johnson, told Congress last month that he wanted to cut the population down to 21,000 to leave plenty of space to accommodate the border chaos. Don't call it chaos. As the administration gives up its Title 42 pandemic expulsion power, Tay Johnson said he would uh, try to release mostly non-criminals, but some criminals could be put back out on the streets to make room. But hey, don't worry. Because he said criminals released would be very low-level criminals. You know, they're not not bad criminals. These are the low-level criminals. These are like level one, level two criminals. Like they, like these are these are noobs, right? You just logged into the game. They're just like you know, they're just like punching old people at this point. Nothing, you know. Maybe like pickpocketing, whatever. They haven't developed. They haven't built up the skills yet. You know, they haven't leveled up. ICE did not respond to a request for comment from the Washington Times, but it said in data published in late April that it had released more than 800 immigrants with criminal convictions last month. That is on top of about 1,400 of them. Criminal record releases in March. So if I do the math on that, let's see here, 1,410 plus 800, carry the 62, and you get... That's like 2,200. That's over 2,000 n- people with known criminal records that ICE has released. Most of those were discretionary releases. States and cities across the country say that they are already overwhelmed. New York City said it will start pushing folks out to the hinterlands, which is uh, a part of New York where, um, it's, yeah, it's a part of New York where. Like the trust fund hipsters are all gentrifying the area. Like that's the hinterlands. It's a neighborhood. No, it's the suburbs. And those hinterlands say, mm-mm, not in our, well, not even backyard. It's like a front yard and living room. Like not, no, you're not sending them here. Bill Malugin of Fox News reported that the Border Patrol was ordered to release migrants directly into border communities if they cannot find space to take them. I don't know. I I keep thinking to myself, like, if only there was some indication that this might become a problem. We might have been able to, like, get ahead of this, right? To do something about it. If only we had had the time. Mm. Over the weekend, the Border Patrol reported apprehending nearly 9,000 illegal immigrants a day. A couple of weeks ago, it was about half that, 5,000. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre blamed Congress, which she says hasn't given the administration enough tools. Well, I mean, she's one, so, I mean, we're on our way. Ah, I kid the French. I kid the French. Um, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorka said that in the absence of Title 42, his department will harness regular immigration law to allow as many people through uh, and onto the streets as possible. No, I'm kidding. He says he's going to use it to deter illegal immigration, most notably expedited removal. He said that they can they can 
deport someone in a matter of days or just weeks, which then makes me wonder, well, why haven't you been doing that up until now, right? Quote, those who arrive at our border and do not have a legal basis to stay will have made the journey, often having suffered horrific trauma and having paid their life savings to the smugglers only to be quickly removed, he said. Expedited removal also brings lasting consequences because unlike a Title 42 expulsion, it counts as a formal deportation. Somebody re-entering after removal can be charged with a felony. Not that they ever are, but they could be. They could be. Right. Expedited removal generally takes longer than the 17 years or so it takes to get somebody removed, but uh, it generally takes longer than expulsion, and it can require significant cooperation from the home governments that are not cooperating. Uh, Some adversarial nations don't do that. The result is that, quote, expedited removal is anything but expedited or removal for many nationalities. Right. So basically it's crap. Okay. So there you go. So expedited removal does neither of those two things. Senator James Langford, Oklahoma Republican, he obtained data. He says the current use of expedited removals as a substitute for Title 42, it's going to sound tough, but it actually doesn't do anything to make the country safer since only 7% of those processed for expedited removals are actually removed at all. 7%. So 93% of expedited removals are not removed. What could go wrong? Oh, by the way, unaccompanied children, parents and children, the, 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 they are caught and then released immediately, which leaves a lot of single adults who cannot be returned to their home countries. Again, if only we had had some time to prepare, man, we probably could have done something to prevent this. I don't know. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Let me go over here and get Dean on the program. Hello, Dean. Pete, how you been, sir? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I have been listening in silence for a few weeks, just (laughs) chewing the inside of my mouth, not to call in to defend my good name. <laughs> That's all right. I think we label you not that dean or the other dean or something. Excellent. Thank you, sir. <laughs> so I've been listening to you read the, the, the pronouncements of our government and the fearless government, how they're going to save us and what they're doing for us. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't heard them say they're putting anybody back over the border. They're just bringing them in and releasing them, whether... One way or another, nothing's changing. Right. So, yeah, they 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 have certain uh, pronouncements, as you call them, right? Certain policies that they announce, uh, but then they also get stuffed uh, as they try to, you know, drive to the rim on some other policy that is completely at odds with what they're 
pronouncing. So, you know, it's like listen to what they say, but also watch what they do. And, yeah, when you when you have the kids coming in and kids with their parents or guardians or whatever, they're getting released immediately. And so the thousands and thousands of people that are remaining in custody are generally single adults. And um, then you've got thousands that get turned out because they needed to clear out the space to make room for the surge. So Exactly. Yeah. Hell, you know what? I just realized this. I guess this is finally a surge that Joe Biden supported. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Dean, I appreciate the call, man. Good to hear from you. Take care. Uh, yeah, have a great weekend. Um, don't call it Democrats in disarray. They really don't like that, but it's it's true. Um, you've got two camps that are emerging. Mansion, Brown, Sherrod Brown, uh, John Tester, Kirsten Cinema, And then on the other side, you got uh, Ben Ray Lujan, Robert Menendez, Maisie Hirono, and Elizabeth Warren. And they're at odds over what to do about all of this. The Senate Democratic majority cannot get anything to the floor. I mean, the, look at McCarthy. For all the guff that McCarthy got, you know, he was able to get he, he was able to get his stuff through at the, on the House side, right? House Republican border bill it passed narrowly yesterday, but he got something through. But Chuck Schumer, he can't. Isn't he supposed to be this? Master politician or something, and they can't get it done. Yeah, this is going to be a big problem for Democrats. Their their base is telling them one thing, but their constituents are going to be really, really unhappy. Um, okay, so real quick, I, I saw this other story. It's pretty amazing. So, um, there is an Ohio fishing tournament that has been rocked by allegations of cheating. It happened in September, but there were some developments. Okay, so uh, it's a fishing tournament, and and uh, the Lake Erie Walleye Trail Tournament Director, Walleye Trail Tournament Director, okay? And that guy's name is Jason Fisher. No relation to the contestants in the fishing contest. Um, he became suspicious of the fish that got turned in by these two guys, one guy named Jacob Runyon and another one named Chase Kaminsky. So Jacob and Chase, all right? And uh, Chase is from Pennsylvania. And uh, they're like, wow, these, these fish are heavier than a typical walleye would be. So what does he do? True Richard Dreyfus style, he cuts the bellies of the fish open in front of a crowd on the dock. Six packs of shiner, 99 cent butane lighter. Lucky strikes and a fifth of Patron. Ice down that igloo cooler. Take a guess at all to do her. I can feel a good one coming on. Throw in Ray Wiley Hubbard. Sing along to Redneck Mother. Any blues I had before are gone. Another working week is over No chance of staying sober I can feel a good one coming on Yeah, we gonna roll all night We gonna get the feeling right We gonna keep this party rocking Till the break of dawn Yeah, I can feel a good one coming on So he cuts open this the fish he finds inside the fish, fish fillets, and some weights. 
They stuffed their fish with with chick, chicken fillet. Three blondes in a ragtop Mustang followed us down to the lake and didn't have to think about that too long. Skinny dipping in the bright moonlight. Situation couldn't be more right. I can feel a good one coming on. So they got sentenced. Each of these guys got 10 days in jail. They got to forfeit the bass boat, $100,000. They got fined and all this other stuff. They were also busted at an earlier fishing tournament on suspicion, but they could never be proven. So here's the thing. You're running a fishing tournament, and these two guys show up. It's best to keep a wall eye on them. Just saying. If you suspect something fishy, you're probably right. They're probably there for a nefarious corpus. <laughs> all right, I'll see you Monday. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Keep this Until the break of dawn